August 21st. Today, as we look into the New Testament, we'll be reading from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 14, verses 1 through 17. Why go to church? God's people assemble for one purpose, to worship God. They worship Him by their praying and singing, teaching and preaching. And worship should result in glory to God, blessing for God's people, and fear and conviction for sinners. But for these things to happen, Jesus Christ must be Lord of our lives. And we must yield to the Holy Spirit. If we come to church to display our spirituality, well, we'll not only miss the blessing ourselves, but also cause others to miss the blessing. You see, we come to honor Him. A key word in this chapter is edification, which means building up. A worship service should lift up the Lord and build up the saints, not puff up the participants. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. August 21st, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 17. Let love be your highest goal, but also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the gift of prophecy. For if your gift is the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking to God but not to people, since they won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies is helping others grow in the Lord, encouraging and comforting them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally in the Lord, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you all had the gift of speaking in tongues, but even more, I wish you were all able to prophesy. For prophecy is a greater and more useful gift than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church can get some good out of it. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you talking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you some revelation or some special knowledge or some prophecy or some teaching, that is what will help you. Even musical instruments like the flute or the harp, though they are lifeless, are examples of the need for speaking in plain language. For no one will recognize the melody unless the notes are played clearly. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they are being called to battle? And it's the same for you. If you talk to people in a language they don't understand, how will they know what you mean? You might as well be talking to an empty room. There are so many different languages in the world, and all are excellent for those who understand them. But to me they mean nothing. I will not understand people who speak those languages, and they will not understand me. Since you are so eager to have spiritual gifts, ask God for those that will be of real help to the whole church. So anyone who has the gift of speaking in tongues should pray also for the gift of interpretation in order to tell people plainly what has been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Well then, what shall I do? I will do both. I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray in words I understand. 
I will sing in the Spirit, and I will sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you are saying? You will be giving thanks very nicely, no doubt, but it doesn't help the other people present. As your mind goes, so will go the entirety of your spiritual life. Philippians chapter 4, I want to read verses 8 and 9. This is our focus this Lord's Day. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned, verse 9, and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This text calls for thinking pure, godly thoughts. Before we look at this text, let me put it this way. You will become like what you are thinking about. Like produces like. Filthy thoughts produce a filthy life. It's inevitable. There, there's no end run around that. And godly thoughts inevitably lead to a godly life. And what Paul says here in Philippians 4 verse 8 is a call for pure thoughts and right thinking. And these verses really provide a grid and a template over what we should allow to be put in front of our eyes, what we should allow to enter into our ears, what we should allow inside our mind. Legalism would be for me to give you a long list of what that is. And the Bible never does that. But what the Bible does give is the guardrails that should be on the perimeter of the narrow path that we live. These verses really provide the parameters for television watching, for movie attending, for music listening, for computer surfing, for magazine looking, for book browsing, for concert attending. The battle of the Christian life is the battle for the Christian mind close quote. How critically important it is that our minds are fixed and filled with that which is right and proper and true. The way your Christian life works is what comes into your mind affects your heart or your affections. And all of the decisions and choices that you make are actually determined by your affections. Every choice that you make is the choice that you want to make. And what is governing and controlling your desires is what is feeding into your mind. Garbage in, garbage out. 
truth and purity in, truth and purity out. Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. How important is our mind to our spiritual growth in grace? 1 Peter 1, verse 13, Peter commands all believers, and he calls, commands us, prepare your minds for actions. In other words, you're not ready for anything in your Christian life until you first prepare your mind. Paul writes in Colossians 3 and verse 2, set your minds on things above and not on things on the earth. Psalm 37, verses 12 through 29. The wicked plot against the godly. They snarl at them in defiance. But the Lord just laughs, for he sees their day of judgment coming. The wicked draw their swords and string their bows to kill the poor and the oppressed, to slaughter those who do right. But they will be stabbed through the heart with their own swords, and their bows will be broken. It is better to be godly and have little than to be evil and possess much. For the strength of the wicked will be shattered, but the Lord takes care of the godly. Day by day the Lord takes care of the innocent, and they will receive a reward that lasts forever. They will survive through hard times. Even in famine, they will have more than enough. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies are like flowers in a field. They will disappear like smoke. The wicked borrow and never repay. But the godly are generous givers. Those blessed by the Lord will inherit the land, but those cursed by Him will die. The steps of the godly are directed by the Lord. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will not fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Once I was young, and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the godly forsaken, nor seen their children begging for bread. The godly always gives generous loans to others, and their children are a blessing. Turn from evil and do good, and you will live in the land forever. For the Lord loves justice, and He will never abandon the godly. He will keep them safe forever, but the children of the wicked will perish. The godly will inherit the land and will live there forever. Proverbs 21, verses 25 and 26. The desires of lazy people will be their ruin, for their hands refuse to work. They are always greedy for more, while the godly love to give. 